Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? Hey, Dave, you know, just coming off of Thanksgiving, why don't we talk about abundance? Oh, yeah, you mean my abundance of girth? Ab- abundance of leftovers? Oh, God, yeah. Definitely, definitely food, you know, abundance of, uh, of food coma. Yeah. Abundance of like, I forgot how to do my work and it's Monday and I have to get back on the horse. Yeah, I was actually excited about getting back to work today. You know, it's last week was really a sluggish week. It was it was like that fat, lazy fly on a summer day that's easy to catch. I was like, just had no energy for doing work whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hit the deck plates running this morning. So abundance yeah. of energy as well. Yes, right. Well, and I think that, you know, when we when we think about time, when we think about sales, when we think about clients, when we think about all the things that we're trying to achieve uh, in business, I think having an abundance mindset is really important. So explain, I, I think you're right, but for our listeners out there, how does that in, how does that influence persuasion? There you go. How does that affect persuasion? Well, let's take sales because sales and lately in our conversation, sales has kind of gotten pushed to the side. Um, but let's let's throw that out there first thing. You know, when I walk into a sales conversation with a scarcity mindset, thinking they don't have enough money, they don't have time to talk to me, they won't, you know, where where I'm not thinking that there's an abundance of time, money, you know, when I walk into the conversation with that scarcity mindset, I can project a level of desperation that does not help me at all in achieving the sale. Absolutely. You know, and to put it in, in terms that we all can relate to, whether you're in sales or not, you're, you've been in sales in your life in mm-hmm. some aspect or another. Oh, yeah. And we've all been in sales in one particular aspect, which is that search for the perfect mate or partner. Ah, uh, yes. And, you know, when I was single... You, and we're talking decades ago now, but, you know, we used to talk about the, the, the stink of desperation, how, how women, yes. women could smell it and mm-hmm. it was not an attractive scent and no, no, no quantity of old spice can cover it up. <laughs> and we say the same thing on our side, Dave. Yeah. Because, you know, when you, when you feel like they're the only sale that you could get, or this person is the last chance on earth for happiness, you're like, anything you need, I'll do, please. You know, and then the other person sitting there saying, what am I missing? Because this is suddenly feeling all wrong. Yeah, exactly. And let's, let's bring this back to, to um, uh, economic sales and business sales. Um, I, I remember I started my uh, uh, telecom business, lo- uh, locked on leadership. Uh, well, you know, talk about memory labs. Yeah. <laughs> That Delta trip to fans still tripping you up, Dave. <laughs> yeah, th- well, it's funny. That was, you know, my old company. I should remember. It's a new one I should forget, right? Because that's the way memory works. But Delta V Communications, this was 2003. And a year later, so it was March of 2004. And I was having my first slow month in the, you know, in the brief 
15 month or 14 month history of the company. And I'm in front of a doctor and uh, who is looking for a new phone system. And he's negotiating with me hard. And I'm a pretty good negotiator, but I also didn't have a sale this month. And I ended up just giving it all away. And he could smell the blood in the water. <laughs> and, and giving it all away to my, he was one of the worst customers I ever had. Nice person. Everything out, everything from then on, he wanted a break, a deal, a break, a deal. And I, I didn't make any money on the initial deal. And I sure as heck couldn't afford to lose money on continuing service and deals. At some point, we had to fire him as a customer. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and it, was could... a, it was a miserable experience. Yeah. And, and this is something we do in sales because we do want the sale. We do want the client, sometimes at our own detriment. So what do you do? And there's plenty of sales programs out there. I, you know, I went through, uh, I think it was Sandler training years ago. And, you know, go into every sale like you have $20 million in the bank. And, and it's easy to say that. Oh, that sounds good. It's a wonderful <laughs> sound bite. Yeah. But meanwhile, you're looking for that first deal of the month and it's, you know, the 20th. You got $27 in your account. <laughs> right. How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you inculcate that abundance mindset. One of the things that I try to keep in my head is, am I the right, or am I the right, like find out, am I the right fit for this client, right? I don't think, of, I try not to think about the sale, the money, all that. I try to think, am I the right fit for this person? And if so, how can I share with them that I am that, you know? And when I, approach it that way that that the question is am i the right fitter is my product the right fit i'm asking the right questions to find out about their business rather than saying anything i need to to get the sale absolutely and that's great and and i don't disagree with that advice you know i used to go in uh back i, I would tell people actually my opening conversation my job is to educate you find out what your needs are educate you on your options and if you make a decision that's not me, and I know it's an informed decision, I'm okay with that. Yep. Yep. However, I do know that, and you know, then I throw in some social proof, 95% of the time when I do a great job educating somebody, I end up being the decision, right? However, I, I'm okay if it's not me, because then at least it's informed. But when, when The only time I get upset, and I, I, you know, you'll never know it, but the only time I'll get upset is when I walk away realizing it was a bad decision because it means I failed to educate somebody properly. Mm, right. I'm going to give you, and this, this is my approach to leadership. I'm going to give you all the information you need to make the best decision for yourself. Set people, I, for me, same thing, but I say set people up for success. And that's yeah. how you do that, right? right? We're setting people up for success. But once again, we're, we're desperate. We're, we're going to bring this back to leadership folks. You know, but as Anne said, we have short shifted sales for for a few weeks now but in sales you're still desperate you know i um april to uh, look april of two uh, sorry not 2000 1995 i was in my first sales job after the navy i had started in january and i hadn't sold a damn thing Ooh. the beginning of april or the end of uh march i can't remember but around that you know that liminal period, the owner of the company had came to me and said, you know, you're, I think you're going to do great. 
and we got to change your compensation plan because I keep, can't, can't keep paying you at a high salary without you producing. And we renegotiated, you know, his, his original offer for me, it's probably a whole nother conversation, wasn't great. I renegotiated. I got an offer that if I, if I made quote, I was going to make the same amount of money. If I beat quote, I was going to make more money. Perfect. And now it's the end of April and I still haven't sold anything. And in my mind, it's, I'm the, I have that desperation mindset of, I got to close this deal or I'm out of work. Just sell it. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's bigger than just this sale. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be. Yeah. Oh, um, and I, I ended up selling it and selling another and, you know, then success begets success. Yeah. And so I think one of the things to think about when you're trying to get in that um, abundance mindset is your successes because you want an abundance of success and don't look for the big win. It's if it's not there yet, maybe you've had a history. All right. So I went through cycles. So I started selling, I started doing well. And then, you know, it's the roller coaster of sales. And, and because I was sold a lot, then the pipeline thinned out and then it dropped, dipped down. And then I was, oh, great. Was that a fluke? That was first time. Right. I, was that a fluke? And then I started doing the same things that made me successful. Success begets success. Yeah. And it started picking up again. And then the cycle hit and I went down again. About the third time I went, okay, every time I work, do this activity, this is the result. And I started focusing on the activity, right? The abundance of sales calls, the abundance of marketing efforts, the abundance, right? And I knew because my track record told me it was going to yield success and results. And it did. And it did. Well, and I think that's one of the important things is looking at what actions can I take to get the results I want? And it may become a you know, trial and error process. Fortunately, by your third cycle, you had started to identify the pattern of when it falls off and when it grows. And you were able to say, if I do X, Y, Z, I'm going to get there. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that doesn't mean that little gnawing feeling of fear. Went oh, it's still there. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. yeah that, that's an important thing. I, I think it's important to recognize that you're still may, I don't, I don't want to put it like you will, but you may feel those feelings. That's okay. As long as you understand. And what I, what I would say is then try and, okay, acknowledge it. And then try and feel, remember and feel the feelings of success. And I think so often when we get discouraged, when we're in that low point in the valley, all we can think about is the fear and the, you know, the failure. And if we are able to take action and again, remember those feelings of success, we're much more likely to drop, to pull ourselves out. So you have to do that very intentionally though, because your mind automatically goes to, oh crap, I'm not going to eat this month. Right. And, <laughs> and, and this is where I think having really great realistic activity goals come into mind. Uh-huh. Yep. Not completion goals, activity goals. Concrete too. Right. Not I'm going to make some calls today. Yeah. Right. I'm going to make five calls today. Or I will talk to five people today, whether that's 10 calls or 20 calls. It's yeah. I right. Bob Berg, I think it was who wrote the book, go for no, which I thought was a cool sales strategy too, because that no um, you know, you track, no, I'm going to make 
calls until I have five no's. Because then the no isn't as discouraging. It's moving you closer to your goal. Right. And I mean, that's one of the big, big advantages of having really good sales metrics, right? How many, how many calls do I need to make to get through to somebody? How many yep. conversations do I need to have to make a sale, right? Because if it's 10 conversations to make a sale with 10 different people, I mean, you know, then that's nine no's or nine not yet, yeah. right? depending on what, how, how you want to look at that. And so all of that definitely helps because you start to see patterns because you will have patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you not in sales, this also goes for interviewing when you're selling yourself, not that kind of job, Dave, but when you're selling yourself to a company or you're selling your company to a possible employee, which is a huge thing that's going on right now, making sure that you're also having an abundance mindset, because if you have that scarcity mindset, which I think a lot of people are having right now, because the reality of it is it is hard to find help, but I know a lot of companies who are managing really well, leading their people well, not even paying that much better than average, but that have a full team and are very, very running very smoothly right now. And so I think that abundance mindset is important in hiring too. What do you think? Oop, you remuted yourself. I just said the most impactful things in the world. Now I, I know I was on mute, right? Was, and you've forgotten right. it because it wasn't in 1973. Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I was so glad to hear you um, include selling your company, right? Because obviously right now, I think getting a job is couldn't be any easier. If you breathe, you got the job. <laughs> Which is a shame. I mean, right. totally. The, the, the cost of a bad hire for everybody involved, right? Even you. If you're, if you're that bad hire and you accept that, they accept, you know, they're like, they all make you an offer and you're like, oh, I, I, again, scarcity mindset. I'll take the job. Yeah. It pays good. I have no idea. I don't think this is something I'm really going to like, but I don't care. It's going to pay good. Right. Most, most miserable jobs I've ever had. Seriously. The worst job I ever had was a six digit, was a really good paying six digit job. Yep. You know, and I, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And so taking the wrong job is bad. Hiring the wrong person. The, the numbers I've seen is a low skilled, low wage earner could be twice their annual compensation for cost of a bad hire. So like a $15 an hour person crush 60 grand to, you know, if you have to hire them again. Yeah. It goes disproportionately more, right? So a, a high skill, high wage earner, a hundred thousand dollar a year job could be a half million dollars or more. Yeah. Right. Because the value they get. So, so hiring well is really important. So how do you, how do people do that though? When they are scraping? I mean, I don't remember what uh, company I was just talking. Oh, somebody just had to go to business. So speakeasy here in town, because if one person called off, they had to close for the night. They were so scarce. It ended up closing their business. So how would you recommend people go into hiring with that abundance mindset? So they get the right people. Well, first you have to really be clear on what your purpose is, what your mission is and what you're looking for. Right. Um, you know, you and I talked about, I think it was last week when you talked about, you came up with your checklist for life. Your, 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 right. You know, yep. I, businesses need to do that. And I hearken back to the seventies when I can remember, but the, the Marine Corps in the seventies, right. Had a terrible reputation. We just came off of Vietnam. Right. 
they were being called baby killers. And I mean, just it was horrible what we did to our service members back in the 70s after post-Vietnam, and during Vietnam, and of course, post-Vietnam. And they, they needed to recruit, especially as the 80s rolled around and you know uh, Reagan was starting to build the military up again. And so they made the Marine Corps, they, 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 they started emphasizing the Marine Corps ethos of honor mm-hmm. and purpose. And then they, 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 the few, the proud, the Marines. That's when that came up. All of a sudden it was like, you could join the army, of, you know, a bazillion people, be one of a bazillion, right? Or you could be really elite and be a Marine, right? Yeah. And, and they talk about earning the globe and anchor, which is the Marine yeah. Corps symbol, they, right? So they create this sense of esprit de corps. Yes. Spirit of the body. Do that now, right? In other words, the, 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 the scarcity mindset is I'll take anybody who fogs the mirror, right? The, the foggy yep. mirror test. They're, yep. they're no, breath, breath comes out of their body and it fogs the mirror, I'm hiring them. Yeah. Which now creates this environment of like people who don't mesh. Yeah. Be, so, be, be more selective today and, and be that way in your advertising for positions so that the people who want to work want to work for you. Right. Well, and, and talk about that in the interview, set the expectation and, and have people talk about the, the value that people get from working in your organization and the pride and, and the, you know, like you said, that esprit de corps, that group community that's built um, with the people that you work with. And hopefully you're creating that as a leader within the organization. So it's actually true, <laughs> but, you know, that's something that's going to help to weed people out and go, well, I only want a job. Well, it's interesting. You, you said, hopefully, I, I would I would change. It. And I was about to say this when you, of course, once again, read my mind, but not hopefully. You need to do that. Right. It is a requisite because what happens if you don't do that is people come in after you you tout the few of the proud of the Marines and they join because they want to be a few. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, this is a rifle. Point it this way. Squeeze this thing. All right, go, go, go out there. Like, wah, 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 wah. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You need to set that high standard and maintain it. Yeah. And, and if you do that, the word will get out and yeah. people will want to work there. Well, exactly. And your team members will say, Hey, I've got this friend who's awesome. He's looking for a job and he'll bring him in. Hey, it's really great to work here. Blah, blah, blah. And now you've got your team recruiting for you. Right. And they will weed out the people who don't fit in. They're like, I don't want that person here. Right. Right. Or they will, without official management, they will bring them up. I remember years ago when I was doing business, as I still am today with USAA Insurance, but this was long before they got as big as they are. They're awesome, by the way. I have them. Yeah. And and I I remember asking them, this is when I had Delta V Communication. I remember talking to them. I said, how do you, everyone is so great with customer service. You know, what kind of training do you get? And the truth is they didn't do a lot of special training, but the culture was one that those people who didn't get it didn't last, right? Yeah. That, that the, the peer pressure there to step up or step out. Yeah, right. And, and I think that's so important too, to build that spirit within your team that they eat, <laughs> that they eat their own essentially, you know, that, they, that they're going to either bring you up or bring, take you out. And, and I don't mean that in a violent, <laughs> negative way, the way it sounded, but, you know, people that live up to the spirit that you've created or that they've created, essentially, um, 
will feel like, Hey, I belong here and I'm part of this. And this feels really good. And people who aren't, aren't going to feel like they're part of it. They're not one of the cool kids sitting at the right. back of the bus. Right. And, and I mean, eat their own or eat their young is expression. <laughs> what we use that for, I've used that in my life for, for a place that that's kind of vicious and backstabbing. Oh yeah. I don't mean it that way. And, and right. And that's not what you mean, but what you mean is that it becomes self self-regulating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And people will want to live up to that standard because the standard is cool. And, you know, I think you were telling this story about a friend of yours, daughter, who was always late with, were you telling me that story? And then she started, got her first, she was always late in high school. Everything she had to go to, she was late for. And then her first job, she got hired and they trained her and they told her how to do things. And then they said, oh yeah. And just so you know, if you're ever late, you're fired. Just so you know but I don't think you're going to be late. So we're all good. Right. And I tell you, she apparently turned her whole spirit of getting on time around because she wanted to stay in that job. And she understood the expectations of her. And she knew that they were related staying in this job, you know, and setting that expectation up front. So important in creating that ex- that spirit. Right. Well, it set the, set the expectation. Then maintain right yes you have to, you have to maintain it right I, I remember this story it wasn't a friend of mine and I remember you and I talking about this and the, the story as I recall like the next day somebody showed up late and they yeah. got fired and she Boom. went oh crap they're serious right right and right. And, and it readjusted her her thinking about things yeah or she might have talked to a co-worker and said is that really true did they really fire you and they were like yes something happened earlier this week or whatever you know I mean right. it starts to get around and if you want to stay here great show up on time that's the expectation so it's interesting we started talking about the abundance mindset and we've sort of morphed into really general leadership and I think the point here is and this happens almost every one of our podcasts I've, I've noticed which is great because it's all related yeah These are no separate there's, there's, there's no little silos of you just do this or just, you have to do it all. Right. And so, you know, we're trying to sort of focus today on, on abundance mindset, but folks, I think the lesson learned here is this is an integrated approach. So we talk about integrity. This is another form of integrity. It's integrated. Well, and you're able to uphold your integrity when you have that abundance mindset that there's somebody in line behind this person. If I go ahead and fire them now, I'm going to find somebody else, right? It's my scarcity mindset that makes me say, oh, I don't really want to offend them because I might not be able to find somebody else, you know? So it's it's still right along the lines of that abundance mindset. Years ago, I was working with a uh, electrical contractor here in town who was good reputation. They were, you know, advertised a lot on the, on, on the radio. They were a residential electrical contractor. And when I was talking to him, I was like, well, I have this one guy, he produces a lot. So their electricians are their salespeople because they go out, troubleshoot problems, and they have to sell them on the service, whatever it is that's required. And he produces a lot. And, and of course, in her world, it was but, right? Yeah. She's I produce a lot, but he's a pain in the tail and he causes problems back at the office, excuse me, with other people, et cetera, et cetera. And so well, why don't you get rid of him? I can't afford to. That's the scarcity mindset, folks, yep. in, in a leadership thing. I can't afford to. I, you can't afford not to because he's bringing everyone else's production down. Right. And eventually he was, she hired a new GM and the GM had the backbone to deal with it. And he went away and true to form. And I've seen this countless times, didn't miss a beat in, in the production and, and revenue thing, right? 
everyone else on one leg. It's like the pressure is relieved off them. They're yeah. like, and they step up. Yeah. And that's that collective sigh of relief that, oh, thank God they're gone. Right. And that's what we need to think about as we are leaders is it's not the price of losing this person. It's the price of not losing this person and possibly losing two or three other people on the team. Right. And it makes it really difficult to persuade somebody to do something. If you're saying, these are my standards, except for I can't afford to get rid of this guy. Yeah, so he, right. I'm not going to hold him to that standard. All of a sudden yeah. persuasion goes out the door because it's people don't know what to believe. And you're also, and you've said this, you don't hold people accountable for things they can't achieve. And so you are holding people accountable to the higher standard. If you have that scarcity mindset of people's abilities, you're also not going to hold them to that higher standard because you're sitting there going, oh, well, they can only go so high, Right. Right. And that is a scarcity mindset. They don't have the standards. They don't have right. enough. They don't have enough integrity. They don't have enough value. They don't have enough capability. Whatever Motivation, skill. Yeah. Whatever the word is. Yeah. And so, you know. And if you believe that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're not going to raise up. Right. Dale Carnegie said, right, give people a, a fine reputation to live up to. Yes. The flip side of that is also true, though. Yes. Right. People will meet you where you, wherever you set them. Yep. So, yeah. So, so set the bar high. Right. And, and believe in it. Believe in people's ability to raise up because this is the other thing. When we have one problem with somebody, we often freeze them there. And we have a scarcity mindset about their willingness or their skill or their ability or whatever. And suddenly we've frozen them there. We don't give them the opportunity to raise up. Wow. This brings up a whole nother conversation. Can of worms, Dave. Can of worms. It, it is. Right, because we can now talk about judgment versus observation. Ooh, hallelujah. Versus curiosity. Ooh. Perhaps another episode we should have. I think that'll be maybe our next one. Ooh. I sounded like Yoda just then. It was kind of cool. Fortunately, <laughs> for a lot of people, you don't really look like Yoda. <laughs> Especially my future partner. I am single, by the way. Ding. <laughs> contact information <laughs> oh that's funny all no right. but it's true um the, it, it, and i love that you drew, drew it all together and this does happen with our conversations where we end up all over the board because it is all connected and this abundance mindset having the mindset that we are abundant in time we are abundant in and even though there is some finiteness to everything. If we think it's scarce, we're going to get way less than we want. Yeah. It's really interesting. Let's talk about time for a second. This might be a good place. You know, our listeners, some of them are probably familiar with, but others may not be uh, Parkinson's law. Oh yeah. Right. And so for those of you who are unaware, Parkinson's law says work takes the time allotted to it. And so what happens is we start thinking, oh, I need X amount of time and I don't have enough time for that. If you cut that time in a half, a third, like, so if, if you have a project, you say, you know, I want to get this done by the end of this month, guess how long it's going to take you? A month. There you go. What if I said I need two weeks for it? Two weeks. One week? One week. Which of those would give you the best results? One week. Right. The shorter amount of time, actually the higher, and there's been a ton of studies on this, the higher quality product. And this is why I actually passed English literature, because I gave myself four hours the day before the essay was due. 
but you I had got to, it done and I've passed. Right. And frankly, when I remember my first freshman year in college, right. Part of the problem is I gave myself too many years for freshman year. <laughs> if you give yourself three years to take your freshman year and complete it, how long is it going to take you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I, I had, I had, um, uh, essays to write and I would give myself zero time because I would just ask my girlfriend to write them for me. And so oh, I got really quality work out of her and a divorce. <laughs> well, no, I didn't meet her till well after by well after college, but oh, you know, got it. Yeah. Um, but in seriousness, uh, you know, all joking aside, you know, time is one of the biggest things because we have a limited amount of time, right? We're all given the same 1440 a, a day. And it's 1,440 minutes for those of you who are unfamiliar with that particular number. Yet there are people you know, who are much more effective with their time than others. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that I found, especially in September of, and October of this year, when I was really busy, I had a lot to do. And when I started getting into that, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time mind space, I would spin around and do nothing. I was like Wile E. Coyote's legs going and not going anywhere. Mine, 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 I, mine, mine. Yeah, exactly. And I literally put a sign on my computer that said you are abundant in time. Because what that did was calm down the black flies in my brain and allow me to say, okay, what am I going to do now? Get it done. Right. And the other thing that happens, by the way, when you have an abundance mindset w- with regards to time is this, and this is, this is sort of how I operate. When I don't think I have enough time and then I start waning in energy, you know, midday, and I go, okay, I got to push through this because I don't have enough time. I start doing garbage work. Yeah, right. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm done for the day. Or maybe I'm just going to take, you know, take a break or whatever. And I'm going to trust that I'm going to get done what I need to get done. And there's been times where I've gone back to work after taking an hour or so break. And all of a sudden I'm like focused and I can crush it and I get yep. it done quickly. Yep. And well, and I've done this so many times with, projects where say the project, usually it's for me, a presentation. I know the content. I just need to put it together, make a PowerPoint, make a worksheet, blah, blah, blah. And say my, my thing starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm at five o'clock the night before freaking out. I'm tired. My brain's finally, I'm like, you know what? No, stop, go to bed. Not maybe at five, but like, you know, eat some dinner, read a book, go to bed and get up at four o'clock in the morning and finish this thing. And not, not hundred percent of the time I get up at four, I get right to work and I'm done by six. I got four hours till I got to get there. Absolutely. You know, I, funny, I, I was in Vegas. I mentioned this before I was in Vegas for a national hardware show. And I woke up early in the morning. Cause I, I wake up and, and all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, I want to change my PowerPoint and, yep. and I didn't sweat it. You know, I, I just sat down and in very short amount of time, I made this very significant change to my PowerPoint, you know, that probably would have taken me two days to do if I had a month to do it. Given yourself two days. Yep. Right. I had, I had a couple hours because I still had, you know, of course I had a shower, eat breakfast. I have this whole sort of, you know, ritual, I, I mental ritual I had to go through. It's a skincare routine. He has a mask he provides on his whole face. That's why he has such beautiful glowing skin. You can't hear this, but daggers are being shot right now. <laughs> I can feel them. Yeah. Well, He's just mad I told you about his skincare routine. Please continue. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Well, I have a lot of skin to care for. Your whole head. My, my whole body is actually covered with skin. I don't have any, no. No, one piece of my body is not covered by skin. I have an abundance of skin. You have an abundance of skin. And so you want to take care of it. Yeah. So anyway, please continue. It is the largest bacon. organ of our body. I wish I were a guy right now. Anyway, please, you're in Vegas <laughs> taking a shower. I wasn't thinking that. Um, <laughs> my, my, like, my, how, do I, how do I make that a joke that works from me? <laughs> but anyway, this is a PG podcast. Hello. Not well, anymore. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it. At any rate, um, wow. I can't <laughs> believe how this degenerated. We were doing so well staying we were, on track and really being were. businesslike. Yes, trust, trust you. At any rate, I think I'll wrap it up by simply saying that it got handled expeditiously. The PowerPoint got oh, handled. Oh, right. Sorry. And, uh, you know, it, it came off great. And it was, it was really, there was no stress whatsoever involved in it. You know? And, yep. and uh, our friend, Debbie Peterson, right? She says, I, I trust I will miss nothing. Uh, I'm trying to paraphrase what she said. I trust I will miss nothing I am meant to have. Right? If it is meant to be mine. Yeah, I can't remember how she says it, but yeah, exactly. Right. And so just trust. And that's part of that. Trust, trust, trust the universe. You won't miss out on anything. Yep. And it starts with that abundance mindset and believing that it's out there for you. You're going to be open to a lot more opportunities if you are. Absolutely. Well, I think we have an abundance of information we just gave you. Bam. I think they are full for the day. Right. Just after Thanksgiving when they really probably needed to work it off. <laughs> Let's go have another turkey sandwich. <laughs> I, I'm done with that one. I had an abundance of turkey. Now, now, now I have an abundance of disdain for turkey. Yeah, right. And we won't have turkey till next year. <laughs> Thank God for that. All right. And till next week. Next week. Thanks, everyone. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, If they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.